Father, this morning, once again, Lord, we stand in your presence. Thanking you for another day in the land of the living, Lord. Thank you, Father, for life. Thank you for protection. Thank you for provision. Thank you for everything, Lord. We receive it with thanksgiving, Lord. Everything that you have for us today, we receive it with thanksgiving. We give you the glory, the honor, the power, the praise. And as we look into the word, we continue to pray. You will continue speaking to us, showing us what your desire is. What is that you are looking for, Lord? Speak to us. Plead the blood of Jesus over the church here everywhere. Speak healing into every body, Lord. Little Esther, Father, I pray that you would touch her. You would heal her, Lord, that she'll come out of that ICU, Father. Be made whole and go home, Father. All the others, every one of them, Lord, touch Brad. Touch, touch, Sharon. Touch, touch, touch. Everyone, Lord. Send forth your word. Heal them of your infirmities. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Be with us now. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 We turn to Revelation chapter 2. The inspection. To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things says he who holds the seven letters in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden stamps. So there God is making it very clear to the church here in Ephesus that John is just a scribe. He's not the author of the letter. It is God who's speaking these words. Okay, It is God who's speaking its words because of um, judgment of a man, even as Gracious, as holy, as pure as John may be at that point of time with everything, yet he only sees in part. He doesn't see in full. So God is making it very clear that this is not John writing to you, or pastor who's writing to you. It's God who's writing to you. It's God who's writing to you. So what he sees is 100. His judgment is 100 person, right? If John were to write, the pastor could write back and say, you know, you've been away for a long time. What you say is not true. Actually, this is not the way we are. But this is God writing. So be very careful. The one who writes is God. If you, if you, why it's important is please understand. When he talks about eternal judgment and that we shall all stand before God and give an account of our works, you need to realize when we stand before God on that day, there is no defense attorney. Even you are not asked to defend your actions. It's no defense. Just a verdict. Just a verdict. There's no defense. There's no defense. That's why when you read in the, when you read in the newspaper, this one has been indicted. Trump has been indicted by the grand jury. You need to realize it's an indictment because there was no defense. The lawyers were never there. They were not asked. They were never questioned. The witnesses, nothing was. It is just a one-sided thing. It's just an indictment. It doesn't mean the person is guilty. Then the trial begins. 
then the trial begins. Okay, but here when God indicts you, you are guilty. There's no trial. There's no trial. Okay. So if you look at the church now, I know your works. I know your works. Your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. You have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. You have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. So the commendation is how he begins, and it is fantastic commendation. Okay, but we looked at it on Monday, but now when you come to verse four, nevertheless, I have this against you. That you have left your first love. Remember therefore from where you have fallen. Repent and do the first works. Or else I will come to you quickly. And remove your lampstand from its place. Unless you repent. Okay. So the indictment begins. We have to be very careful. Okay. The failure of the efficient church was not less activity. It is not they were upset about persecution or suffering. Everything was right. They had no tolerance of evil, no denial of truth. But something more dangerous in God's eyes than any of this. So it can be a person, it can be a home, or it can be a church. I have this against you. You have left your first love. If you look by what they did, okay, they have grade A, A plus. They have. This is where we go wrong. This is where we go wrong. Because if you look at virtues, all virtues are connected ultimately to God and flows from Him. God is holy, God is righteous, God is true, God is faithful, God is a God of integrity, God is a God who is hardworking, He's been working from the beginning till today. If God is not hardworking, He won't tell you, don't be lazy. Because somebody who is lazy, who does nothing, cannot tell somebody else, work hard. Like it would be a contradiction and remember God is true. Okay, but all these virtues have are of no use to the fallen man. Because it only brings judgment. Even the patience of God is only delaying judgment, not preventing it. So what is that saves man from the judgment of God? It is the love of God. That's why the Bible says God so loved the world. Okay? So the question God is asking the Ephesus church or the indictment and the question God is asking us is also that everything this church is doing is right. But the question is, why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? Okay? Individuals, families, churches, all slowly dry up because what is missing is love. 
last week we had this beautiful picture, right? Or this week, last week, a beautiful picture, Pastor Vijay's mother's birthday, and they've been married for 46 years, 48 years, 46 years. And the father wanted to surprise his mother, so had this thing, told Pastor Vijay, send the money, get me a ring for her with a heart on it. So there was a picture when he's giving the ring. Okay, they've been married for donkey's years. When I send the pictures to all my girls, my daughters, everyone said, wow, wow, this is a desire. 46 years later, nothing has changed. You need to understand there are pictures, okay? Because that's how God is. We would like to indict emotions, but that's how God is. He made us in his image. Okay. Okay. Now, if you look over there, we have to look at the verses very clearly, okay? He says, you have left. You have left. He doesn't say you have left your love. The church in Ephesus still loves God. But that's not what he says. The indictment is you have left your first love. He qualifies this. You have left your first love. Okay? So we need to realize God uses this term called first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. The first. First means first. It means it precedes everything else. It talks about priority. Okay? First means how it was in the beginning. How was it in the beginning? So God is actually qualifying it. What you left is not, you didn't leave your love for me. But you have left your first love. This is the danger of fundamentalism. Okay, there are many churches. First fundamental Baptist church of this place. All these names are there. Okay. Okay. Because this is what happens. Okay, this is what an Ephesus look like anything but a fallen church. But God says, remember from where you have fallen. But does it look, if you read verse 2 and 3, it doesn't look like a fallen church. You look up an upright standing church. But that's a different view. God's view is that you have fallen in one area. They had not fallen in doctrinal error, nor were the people in love with the world. They had fallen from their first love. So God is teaching us lessons. This is a lesson for us as an individual, lesson as a family, as a church. Okay, three entities God is interested in. Therefore, it involves everybody. You can be sound in your doctrine and be shallow in your relationship. You can be busy for the Lord and actually hardly spend any time with the Lord. You can be passionate about your convictions, but be very passive about your relationship. Please understand this. This does not happen suddenly. 
it happens little by little by little. The old illustration of a pot of hot water, put a frog into it, it jumps out. Take the same frog, put it in a pan of cold water, put it on the stove, on sim, little by little lower. But the frog sits there and dies. Okay, little by little, one step at a time, one step, one little thing, drip, 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 drip. Okay, take a bucket full of water and make a hole, small little hole, <laughs> small little hole. Drip, drip, drip. You don't have to do anything, just leave it alone. It will drip. And a day or two later when you come, you will wonder, what happened? Okay, complacency. This is what happens in most marriages. One day they wake up and realize the spouse has left. And he said, what happened? Backed up and left. What happened? What did I do? The question it was, drip, drip, drip. One day you wake up and realize the Spirit of God has left. What happens all? What happens, Samson? Drip, 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 drip. Because God will never stay in an unloved life. Understand this. It's serious. Very, very serious. Okay? Joshua chapter 1, 16 and 17. So they answered Joshua saying, All that you command us, we will do. Wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we heeded Moses in all things, so we will heed you. Only the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. This is what we call the first generation in the promised land. Passionate. Absolutely passionate. If you come to Judges chapter 2, verses 7 to 10. So the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works of the Lord which had done for Israel. Now Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died when he was 110 years. And they buried him within the border. Okay, read verse 11, and 10, 10. And when all the generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord nor the work which he had done for Israel. See what happened? If you read from God's words to the church in Ephesus, the first generation leaders are all dead. The generation is gone. This is the second generation. I have seen it always happening. Very rarely does the second generation of believers excel the first. Very rarely. They don't catch the passion. The second generation may have a bigger church. I've seen it all around. Second generation has a bigger church. They have more people, more gadgets, everything. Lord of sound and fury. What they don't have is the passion of the first generation. You look anywhere. Anywhere in the U.S. Look at churches of their fathers and look at the church of the son. The sons is big, beautiful, everything. More people than before. But you listen to his sermon or look at the people, you know something is missing. The passion of the first generation is not there. So if you read Ephesians chapter 1, 15 and 16, and then the last verse, that is 624. 
Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, and your love for all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. He says, whenever I hear about you, church in Ephesus, you're still the same. You, your faith in God, your love for God's people. Then you come to the last word, 624. No, 624, 624, the last verse, 624. Grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Amen. So this was a church. Paul knew. Church that loved God and loved his people. But that love was gone. That love God. So, God is asking. So we have to look in a man, in a person, individual man or woman, in a marriage. I use marriage in a home. Home and marriage are not the same. The marriage is in a home. In the home, you have children also. In an individual, in a marriage, in a home, in a church, or in a nation. When love goes, it slowly starts falling apart. Do you know why U.S. is falling apart? Because you have a generation that does not love their country. That's why U.S. is falling apart. If you look at the people and you look at the young generation, they don't love their country. Okay, so you need to see even at a national level, a country, a national level, or at an individual level, everything. Okay. Because a church without love is a church without life. Because the heart is gone. Okay? The heart is gone. So God gives us these pictures. These are pictures in the Bible. So if you want to look at a picture, actually if you go through the Bible, if you look at pictures, okay, you go to Genesis chapter 29 and go to words 9 to 12. Now, this is poor Jacob who has run away rather sent forcibly away to save his life, gone through such a terrible ordeal in the wilderness, finally he reaches his destination. And the Bible says, while he was still speaking with them, Rachel came with her father's sheep, for she was a shepherdess. And it came to pass when Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and the sheep, Jacob went near and rolled the stone from the well's mouth and watered the flock of Laban, his mother's brother. Then Jacob kissed Rachel and lifted up his voice and wept. And Jacob told Rachel that he was her father's relative and he was Rebekah's son. So she ran and told her father. This is what we call typically in the Bible, in the world, which is called love at first sight. Okay? This is an actual picture of a person in the Bible who actually passionately falls in love with a young girl. Then in verse 20, okay, here we know the story. He asked the father, you know, for the girl's hand and he said, you need to serve me for seven years. Okay, if you go to verse 30, he actually ends up serving 14 years. Okay, 14 years. Jacob, he also loved Rachel more than Leah. He served with Laban still another seven years because in the marriage night, next day morning he found his father had not given him Rachel but had given him Leah, so he had to work seven years more. But if you look at verse 20, the key is there. Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed only a few days to him because of the love 
he had for her. So there is a picture over there. A picture given in. Now we are talking about Jacob served seven years. Whom did he serve? Laban. Seven years. Now you go to chapter 31 and read 38 to 41. You will see a picture of what he had to do. These 20 years I have been with you. Your eaves and your female goats have not miscarried their young. I have not eaten the rams of your flock. He said, I was very careful about how I watched your flock because I was serving you for Rachel. 39. That which was torn by bees, I did not bring it to you. I bore the loss of it. You required it from my hand, whether stolen by day or stolen. Why is he suffering all this? Because of his love for Rachel, there I was in the day of the drought consumed me. In the day, drought consumed me and the frost by night and my sleep departed from my eyes. Thus I have been in your house 20 years and I served 14 years for your two daughters. This is how he served. This is how he served. Okay. So when God is talking about it. If you go to ESV, okay, ESV, in Genesis 48 and verse 7. 48, Genesis 48, 7. You need to realize for him, a little later you will know after some time when she is giving birth to Benjamin, she dies. And that's why he clings to Joseph and Rachel. Oh, sorry, Joseph and Benjamin, because they remind him that's Rachel's children. Okay. Now, many, many, many. This is when he is about to die. Okay. When he come, calls Joseph, and Joseph brings his sons. He's a very old man. So this is an incident which is 60, 70 years later. I'm not sure exactly how, how many years did Jacob live? Hundred and? Huh? Yeah. Jacob lived uh, for a long time. So when did when did Rachel die? Rachel died when he was like around sixty five years or something, roughly sixty five years. He's talking about an incident. Okay, one forty seven years he lived. Yeah, so he's talking about an incident that took place seventy years earlier, roughly seventy years earlier. As for me, when I came from Padan, to my sorrow, he's still grieving. We are not talking about Rachel's love for Jacob. Can be questioned. But you can never question Jacob's love for Rachel. You can question church's love for Christ. You can never question Christ's love for the church. Okay. This is what God is talking about. That's what he is talking about. No? This is what it is. Okay. So everything Christ does for us is because he loves us. Okay. That's why the warning in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 15. Okay. Do not love the world or the things in the world because if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. What happens? What does the devil do? You see, the world and the things in the world will two, do two primary things. One, it will steal our affections. That is meant for God, for family, for church. Okay, the three areas you have to look at. Second, it will steal our time. That is required for God, for family, and for the church. 
and devil knows it. Okay, that's why the whole law and the prophets was about two things. Love God. If you go to 29 and verse 30, Genesis 29 and 30 and 31. Okay, Genesis 29, 30 and 31. Jacob also went into Rachel. He also loved Rachel more than Leah and he served with Laban still. Okay, so Jacob, let's keep it 29. 29, okay. Oh, sorry, 30. Jacob loved Rachel. Okay, more than Leah. That means Jacob loved Rachel. Jacob also loved Leah. But verse 31 says something else. Jacob saw that Leah was unloved. Jacob thought he loved Leah. But God says Jacob did not love Leah. Because it is not possible for any man to love two women or any woman to love two men. It is not possible. It's not possible. So even though you may say, but I love you too, God says it is unloved. There is this nature of love, God is saying. So if I don't love God with all my heart, that means I don't love him. Okay. So if you do not love your spouse that way, God says you don't actually love your spouse. If you do not love your children that way, that means you do not love your children. There is this first connected with all of these relationships. It is first. It is first for God. It is first for your spouse. It is first for your family. And he says, if that first is not there, it is as good as being unloved. Not being there. This is where we have to look into scripture because this is an indictment coming from God. That all their works would be worth nothing if they don't change. If they don't change. Okay? So in Corinthians chapter 13, First Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 8, it says, Love never fails. Now we will qualify it further. First love never fails. Every other love will ultimately fail. Every other love is ultimately fail. There's only one love that will not fail. That is the first love. So that's what God is talking about. So what does first love mean? It means a love that excludes everybody and everything else. And that is their indictment. You have left your first love. Okay? Verse 4 and 5. Revelation 2, 4 and 5. Nevertheless, I have this against you. Okay? No. Okay, the old example I said, no? This man and his wife are driving somewhere on the highway and the wife is telling the man, no, Roma, the old days, beginning, right, no? Even when you were driving, I used to be leaning on your shoulder and your arm used to be around me, she says. He says, yeah, I remember. She says, why don't you do it anymore? So he looked at her and says, guess who moved? 
So when God is saying this, he says, you know what? I have never left my first love. You have. You have. Who drifted away? Who drifted away? He says, I have never left. Because God will not leave because that's who God is. He never changes. Okay. Who'd never leave, left? God says, you know what? I didn't. You did. So he gives. This is important. Okay. Because this has got to do with an individual with his love for God or for restoring a marriage or a family or the church. He gives a three word solution. First part of the solution is remember. Second part of the solution is repent. Third part of the solution is repeat the first works. Remember, repeat, remember, repent, repeat. Simple. He makes it very simple. He says, if you do this in anything, relationship, he says, it can be restored. Jeremiah chapter 2 verses 1 to 5. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Go cry in the hearing of Jerusalem, saying, Thus says the Lord, I remember you, the kindness of your youth, the love of your betrothal, when you went after me in the wilderness, in a land not sown. He's talking about the second generation. Because they are, the, they are able to remember. Okay. He says, do you remember? Israel was holiness to the Lord, the first fruits of his increase. All that devour him will he will offend. Disaster will come upon them, says the Lord God. Hear the word of the Lord, O house of Jacob, and all the families of the house. Who's speaking this? God. Jeremiah. When is Jeremiah speaking? How many hundreds of years have passed by? 500 years of, uh, what you call it, of judges is over. David is dead. Samuel. Everybody is dead. Now we are in Babylonian captivity. Almost a thousand years have passed by. And God says, do you remember do you remember? So the first thing God says is, remember. Remember. Do you remember? If you go to First Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 2 and 3, the Thessalonian church, give thanks to you always for you, all making mention of you in our prayers. Remembering. Now he's remembering. Okay, what? Without ceasing your work of faith, labor of love, and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. So an order is put. Work of faith, labor of love, and patience of hope. If you read Revelation chapter 2 and verse 2, it looks like that, 2 and 3, if you look. Okay? That same thing. I know your works, your labor, your patience. Okay? That you can. Then if you come to verse 3, again he talks about their works. Okay? Verse 3. You have persevered and have patience and labored for my name's sake. You know what? If you study this portion carefully, you know what they did? The work of faith and the labor of love. They took the labor and put it into faith. Faith has its works. Faith has its works. Okay. Faith has put it into has works. You start putting labor into your work. 
not labor into your love. It is so subtle that the church was totally deceived. Because they are looking at their works and they are saying, it's a typical example which, you know, when you counsel uh, couples, the husband says, but I work hard. I make the money. I buy everything she wants. I give her. They are always looking at the works. But she looks at and says, but he doesn't love me. But he doesn't love me. He's pointing at the works and she's pointing at something else completely differently. The church in Ephesus is pointing at the works and God is looking at something different. He says, but you don't love me. You don't love me. This is where we always have to ask this question. Not what I am doing. Why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? This is one of the things. In homes, relationship with God, we have to ask, why am I doing this? Okay, that's why I used to tell once in a while, I wouldn't wake up my children when they were small. And they wake up, oh daddy, it's 8 o'clock, 8.30, school. I said, no. Why are you going to school? Why are you going to school? Never forget, whatever you are doing, there are two fundamentals. One, it is God, the other is family. If you are not doing it for the family, it's worth nothing. Otherwise, one day, you will worship your work. And abandon your family. Because in the world, it says work is worship. Why are we doing this? The question is, why? Because in that why, a person comes in. A person comes in. They're doing everything right, but they've forgotten Christ. Okay, so we need to understand the work is there. The father and I are at work from the beginning till now. What are they working at? The redemption of man. It is about man. Who are they doing it for? For man. The question is, we can be so detached and be so busy that the person is forgotten. The person is forgotten. Okay. We have to be very, very careful because these are the two major enemies. If you go to Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. Second Timothy chapter 3, 1 and 2. I know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. Why will perilous time come? Time is neutral, you know that? Time doesn't have any character. But how does certain time become perilous? Because simple one reason, forget everything is the first thing. Men will be lovers of themselves. That is a bit. Ephesus church is in love with themselves. They're excellent in everything they do, but it is not about God. They are clinically efficient. But it's not about God. The same thing can be in a home. A husband or a wife. Clinically efficient. There's no love. There's no love. Okay. But we need to reason. Everything God does is not because he is holy. <laughs> it's not because he is righteous. That all should only bring judgment. Everything he does is because he is. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Why did he create? Because he is love. 
Because he is love. You take that out, everything that has falls into fall will fall. Just a question of time. Just question of time. You know? Two people who are married should stay together. The only fundamental there are other reasons, subsidiary, secondary, tertiary reasons. Primary reason is because they love each other. Lots of couples stay together not because they love each other, because of secondary reasons and tertiary reasons. Children are there. We can't abandon them. What will other people say? But all that is irrelevant. The reason God does everything is because He loves us. And that's what God is talking about. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 31 and 32. For this reason. <laughs> what reason? What reason? Man will, yes. Why will he leave his mother? How can he leave his father and his mother with whom he grew up, who took care of him? That was the beginning of his day, end of his day. Everything was his home. That's talking. Why will, for what reason? What is the reason? It's because of love. Okay. Why did Christ leave his father? Why did Christ leave his home? Because he loved his wife. Loved his bride. That's the only reason. Only everything is secondary. Everything is secondary. Okay. So the first reason, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother. So, in Genesis 2 and verse 18, okay. And the Lord said, it is not good man should be alone. You need to realize, okay, when God speaks, every time God speaks, Something is created. Because that's his word. His word is always creative. The minute said, it is not good for man to be alone, Adam started feeling lonely. Because God said it. Till then he didn't know. Because God hasn't spoken. The minute he said, it is not good. That's the first time God says, it is not good. Before that, everything he said is good. First time he says, it is not good that man should be alone. And I will make him a helper comparable to him. And then what God did in 19 and 20 is, he still gives man the right to choose his spouse. Out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field, every bird of the air, brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. So Adam gave names to all the cattle, to the birds of the air, to every beast of the field. For Adam there was not found helper comparable to him. And the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall, built him, closed up the flesh in its place, and then brought, no? Then the rib had taken, he made into a woman, he brought her to the man, and verse, Adam said, Adam said, this is now the bone of my bones, the flesh of my flesh, she shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. So God is doing something. The first rule is this, you know, he said, it's not good for man to be alone. Okay, and then what did he do? He took Adam and brought all the animals to Adam, saying, how would you name? How would you name? Naming is important. Now, till last week, um, Jyoti called Samanna. 
Now I don't know what Jyoti calls Sam and what calls Sam calls Jyoti. Because you know what? The naming is going to decide relationship. Naming is... That's why when people get mad at each other, they call them others' names. And when they are very much in love, they call other names. So naming makes a difference. And he names her woman because she was taken out of me. So God puts this as a relationship paradigm before us as Christ and the church. So the first thing, how did the church in Ephesus fall away? They neglected communion. Not the table. Fellowship with God. Second Corinthians 6 and verse 14. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Why? It will affect your fellowship. It will affect your fellowship. So you will see the first thing that affects a relationship positively or negatively is fellowship. Genesis 3.18, sorry, 3.8. And they heard the sound of God, Lord God, walking in the garden in the cool of the day, Adam and his wife. What affected them first? Their fellowship was broken. Fellowship was broken. Okay. And this is what the devil does. The devil, see, in a church like Ephesus, you know what? He encouraged them to do everything. But he saw to that they did not have a true, real, intimate fellowship with God. Fellowship with God. This is how, I mean, the indictment is so severe. If you read it, the commendation is, and stop there, we will not realize the indictment is so severe. He says, you know what? I will take your lampstand. What does it mean? He says, you will exist as a church, but you will stop existing as my testimony. 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 Stop existing as my testimony. This is the danger we are talking about. Okay? So the Bible talks about, remember. The first thing you have to do is remember. If you go to Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 7 onwards, you won't read all the verses. Seven, eight verses are there. But, okay? Remember. Remember, God sings, remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations. Ask your father, he will show you. Your elders, they will tell you. When the most, he says, you can go back in your history and they will tell you how I loved Israel. Okay, okay, okay. Remember, you see, if you look at a normal woman, normal women, they are big on pictures. On albums. These days, of course, it is camera, video recording, all those things are there. You know? And you will see pictures are always there. Okay? So you have pictures of your, of the first days, the pictures of your babies. Okay? Why is these things important? This is how you remember. This is how you remember. 
Okay, and the fact is that we forget. We forget. And God is reminding them. Do you remember? Have your fathers told you about it? Where I found you? How I brought you? Where I found you? How I brought you? How I guarded over you? How I took care of you? Has your father remembered? Go to Isaiah chapter 49. Verse 14 to 16. But Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me and my Lord has forgotten me. God says, wait a second. Can a woman forget her nursing child and not have a compassion on the son of her womb? Surely they may forget. Yet I will not forget. See, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. So there are two words God is using. One is remember, the other is forget. Other is forget. So with God or man, the solution comes first by remembering. Now let me ask you, let me tell you honestly, it's easier with God than man. The simple reason is because God never changes with time. Therefore his love never changes. But man does. Matthew 4, 24 and verse 12. Matthew 20, uh, 24, 12. Yeah, not for 24, 12. Because lawlessness will grow, will abound. What is lawlessness? What is law? <laughs> Things you should do. What is lawlessness? Things you shouldn't do. Okay? When lawlessness abounds, okay? The things I used to do, the things you are supposed to do, because he's telling them to remember, repent, and go back and do. Go back and do. Okay, that's what happens. Little by little by little by little by little, you take little out, little out, a little here. You know what? In the marriage, in the home, in the church, and your relationship with God, what is happening is lawlessness is growing. And as lawlessness grows somewhere else, love is getting colder and colder and colder. Because you need to realize all these things have to be kept alive because its nature is that if it doesn't, it will die. Because when love dies, everything else dies. Then what is left is a machine. AI will take over. Revelation 2.5 Remember therefore from where you have fallen, repent, do the first works, okay? Do the first works. So the first thing we neglect is communion. First thing you neglect is communion. Meaning? When you got saved, you were zealous about your time with God. When you got married, you were very zealous about your time you spent with the spouse. Because you can't take this out. Because there are the only two paradigms given to us. Christ's relationship with church and a man's relationship with his wife. You can't take it away. You simply cannot take it away. 
Because if you take it away, if you take one away, you will lose the other. Lose. Because in Malachi, the indictment is that your child, your wife of your youth. Wife of your youth. But that is where you have to work it out. You, you have to work it out. You have to be able, because you have to labor in love. That's why I asked the first thing, Sammy, what did you have for breakfast? So he said, bread and omelette. I said, that's easy. Uh, I said, you, you, you don't like, he said, no, I like dosa. I said, I said, dosa is a little difficult. I said, no, because batter goes sour and all that stuff. I said, you don't like upma. He said, not so much. Because the fact is, the matter is that he's got an Indian wife. He's living in India. People neglect these things. It's not a f- adage which is without meaning that a man's heart is through his stomach and they won't labor. They won't labor. What is important for a woman, that's what the Bible says, look at the woman with understanding. They won't la- there is labor there. We don't try to understand God. What does God like? We are giving him worship which we like. We are giving him works which we like. This is what I am talking. Men become lovers of themselves. They do it because they like it. The question is not whether God likes it. The question is never about the other person. So there is labor. There is labor. Once that labor is gone, labor of love is gone, love is gone, all that you left is a machine. And there are people who function in the kingdom of God efficiently like machines. Marriages work like oiled machines. Homes work like all machines. It's just a German invention. But Germans are very good for their mechanical behavior. But that's not God. So when you talk about engines, we always talk about Germans. Efficient. As efficient as a German machine. But that's not what God is looking for. Simple question we need to ask us is, what am I? What am I? Because this is where the the first church looks like one of the best churches. And the indictment. So, you see, they neglected one communion, fellowship, two, fellowship with God, two, they neglected the first works. First works. You know, in the first works, when no work was too difficult, no distance was too far, nothing was too costly. It didn't matter where the girl was. It didn't matter how far it was. It didn't matter. The distance was never too far. It didn't matter what she or he asked. The task was never too difficult. And it didn't matter what you wanted to buy for the person you loved. The price was never too high. I told you a long line time ago, I forgot the name. The Gift of the Magi, it is called. I forgot who wrote that famous short story called Gift of the Magi about a young man. His name was James Dillingham Young. I still remember because I taught it for my students. And the wife's name was Della. They were both very poor. Just barely hand to mouth. She had this beautiful, long, gorgeous hair. And he had this father's ancestral watch on a poor leather strap. And Christmas was coming. 
And they said, how can we go through Christmas? Both are thinking, not talking to each other without giving each other a gift. Della wants to buy him a strap that will go with the watch. He wants to buy a comb which is very expensive, which he had seen her watching in a shop window. Finally, on Christmas Day, they are there. He comes in. He's got his gift. She, He looks at her. And she says, I have your gift. And he looks at her because she's cut her hair. They open their gifts. She's got the strap and he's got the comb. She wanted to buy that. No, she wanted to buy the strap for him. So she cut her hair, sold her hair. He wanted to buy the comb for her. So he sold the watch. Okay. The very when I taught my students those this oh, I said you see this always you 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 cannot escape it. No man can escape it because this is what it means. He put eternity into our hearts. Because God is love. In the beginning God created. The beginning what was that God? It was the God of love who created. That's what we are talking about. And that's what he's telling them to go back. So in 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says, this three will remain, but the greatest is love. The greatest is now abide faith, hope, love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. If you read the first three verses of this chapter, Okay, verse 3. Though I speak with tongues of men and of angels, have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. Though I have the gift of prophecy, understand all mysteries, all knowledge, though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, I have not love, it profits me nothing. You know which church it is? This is the church of Ephesus. They have everything. But what God is looking for is missing. And they were at the verge of losing everything. Okay? Turn with me to Second Samuel chapter 12, verse 10 and 11. Chapter 12, 10 and 11. Ten and eleven. Yeah, one second. One second, one second, one second, one second, not, not 10 and 11. I always get my references. Second chapter, chapter 12. Oh, chapter 11, not 12, chapter 11. 10 and 11. So when they told David, saying, Uriah did not go to his house, David said to Uriah, Did you not come from a journey? Why did you not go down to your house? And Uriah said to David, The ark and Israel and Judah are dwelling in tents, and my Lord Job and the servants of my Lord are encamped in the open field. Shall I then go to my camp, to house, to eat, to drink, to lie with my wife? As you live, as your soul lives, I will not do these things. Okay? There's a character called Uriah there. Let's leave David aside. Let's leave David's duplicity. Leave it all aside. Okay? Uriah has been away probably for weeks and months. And of all the soldiers, he's got permission to come back or he's called back to Jerusalem. The one, he's at Jerusalem. Two, 
you know his house is close by because David could look and see. So it's very close by. Three, the king has given him permission to go. Do you know he didn't go? Do you know what kind of a man he is? He's the man of Ephesians chapter 2. Integrity, honesty, hard work, everything. But he will not go to his life. And she's there, waiting. Okay. Let's say, leave David aside. Leave his duplicity. Don't look at David because sometimes we don't read characters. We don't see characters. Let me put you across one simple statement, a simple statement. Do you know why Uriah died? Because he didn't go home. You know why Uriah died? Because he didn't go home. If he had gone home, he wouldn't have died. Everything he's saying is true. But it is not true. There is something else there. Your wife. You don't have to go sleep with her. But you mean to say that you can't even go see her? That is the church of Ephesus in a man. When he dies. When he dies. This is how relationship with God, relationship with man and man, homes, marriages, dies because they don't understand priorities of God. What is important for God is not work. That is second. If God wanted workers, he has workers. They are called angels. They will work without tiring. They will do it much more efficiently, much faster than we can ever do. So he's got millions of workers. But when he created man, he didn't create man primarily to work. He created man to love, to have fellowship. We take that out, everything starts falling apart. Okay? So please understand, these are fundamental issues. The indictment over revelation of the church in Ephesus is the indictment of a righteous believer. That's why in the entire Bible, if you look through the entire Bible, all the characters in the Bible, David stands apart. Do you know why David stands apart? Because he loved God. He loved God. And therefore, love covers a multi. God did not condone his sins. But he knew, this man loves me. David loved God. So get that picture right. Get picture. Because people always ask this question. Which is better, love marriage or arranged marriage? (laughs) Arranged marriages are more stable. Because there is nothing to remember. There's nothing to remember. In love marriage, there is a lot to remember. So he or she will go back and say, this is not how you were. You have fallen. (laughs) (laughs) Our relationship with church, our relationship with church is not an arranged marriage. uh, With Christ. It's not an arranged marriage. It's a love marriage. And you can be very sure the bride over there is not the church of Ephesus. Get this very clearly. There is the bride and there are the others. To be a bride, you need to be in love with God. And God has put a paradigm over there. Okay? 
Martin Luther made this statement. It's a powerful statement. Okay? God doesn't love you or me because we are valuable. No. We are valuable because God loves us. We are valuable because God loves us. So one of the best churches in the first century, mentored by all the greats of faith, filled with people who are working hard, patiently bearing suffering, separated from all evil. Doctrines are pure, yet in Christ's eyes is fallen, because their love had waxed cold. Remember from where you have fallen. So the next logical step is repent. Or else. Repent and do the works or else. It's a warning. Remember from where you have fallen. Repent and do the first works or else. You know what God is saying? What Christ is saying to us, man? Marriage, home, church. These are the entities he's interested in. Christ will not allow anything else to be substituted for love. Nothing else. And if that kind of a love is there, he will overlook a lot of faults. He will look or overlook a lot of faults. But if that is in there, you can be clinically efficient as a church in Ephesus and you will say you are. Zami, okay, you are not fallen. But I'm saying. <laughs> okay, today is Friday, right? Wednesday, yeah, 10 days. 10 days. Okay, 10 days exactly. Okay, 10 days. 10 days. Okay, that's why I didn't call you last night also. I tell Mars, I don't call him. Leave him alone. He's married. He needs time. Don't call him. I'll call Sajid and go home. Don't call him. Because people don't realize relationships are built over time and the devil steals time and makes us busy. Busy, busy, busy. Doing what? Doing what? Where is your spouse? Where are your children? Where is your church? The other family. Busy doing what? Is the question. Busy doing what? Okay. The efficient church was busy like an ant. It was like a pack of ants, the church of Ephesus. Busy, 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 busy. And then Christ comes and says, what you do is good, it's good, it's good, it's good. But let me ask you a question. Why are you doing all this? Who are you doing this for? Who are you doing this for? Why are you doing? He says, in the, in the midst of your busyness, I am waiting. I am ignored. I am ignored. Remember, I asked, I preached long ago, why Bathsheba went when David called? She's a righteous woman. She's a righteous woman. You know why she went? 
because she's been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting for the love of her husband and she never got it then when another man a hero calls she goes because she thought at least somebody loves me somebody loves me somebody loves me that's why all these things happen people talk about falling in love and all these things you know what happened if you look in homes which are very stable in stable homes are have nothing to do with things stable homes are where they know they are loved unconditionally those children don't go out and fall because they don't lack it they don't lack it they don't like it they know they are loved appreciated loved plenty of time that is there mummy is there they are not lacking but when that fundamental thing is lacking even bethsheba will fall even david will fall and after bethsheba david never falls you know why because she loves him and he loves her and that son you don't have to worry about that son solomon you don't have to worry about son because he's secure in his father's love and his mother's love that's one kid who will never turn against his father you know why because he's coming from a secure home where he's loved we need to understand fundamental principle why does god do what he does because he loves then we need to i need to ask myself why do i do what i do because it's doctrinally right that's not the reason that's not the reason this is what stuns all other people of the religion the fact is they are not able to reconcile the fact god actually loved man so much that he came and died for him that's something they cannot reconcile because that makes christianity different otherwise christianity precepts wise is like any other religion in which way is christianity different from other religion doctrine wise which way is it different what makes christianity different that god so loved man he became a man went on the cross to die for man seems to redeem man back to him that is an entire picture of love which people don't understand and they said wow because you don't find anybody like that in any religion nowhere in any religion do you find this metaphor of love and god says i put it in the home i put it in the church and he comes to Ephesus church and says you are fantastic but you have missed the big picture what will i do i will remove your what does it mean you will cease to be my true witness you will not be a true witness of who i am you will not be a true witness of who i am when people look at you they will not say christ is like that no they will say moses was like that they will not say christ was like that because christ picture is different the first picture of christ is the picture of love then comes everything else because the righteousness of god the holiness of god the truth of god is all scary all scary it's very scary but why can why why can we come boldly to a holy god and a righteous god where angels cover their eyes and feet and wouldn't dare to look at his face why can we come 
Because he loves us. Because of his love shown on the cross. So get this picture. Be very, very careful. Get this picture. Because there is, because this efficient church, what he tells in chapter, verse 5, is a way back to restoration. How do you want to be restored in your marriage, in your home, in your relationship with God, with your church, whatever, with your church, people who have left church and don't come irregularly once in a while. You know what they need to do? Just go back. Repent and go back and do the things which they did first. They don't have to speak a word to anybody. Just start going back and doing the things a little later. Whichever church you are listening from, your pastor will notice because God will put in his heart and says, you know what? He's returned. He's returned. She's returned. And after, you know what? They didn't. They were not looking for anything. Just repeating, going back. That's how you do it. That's how you do it. So anybody, there is a way. Way back. This is the way back. Repent. No. Remember first, first remember, repent, repeat. And God says, you know what? But if you don't, else you will cease, be my witness, my testimony. You are no longer my witness. Amen? Let's have Peter and we shall pray. Title has first love, okay? Then everybody will watch. <laughs> Ever let it be that I will please you. Ever let it be that I will praise you. Never let it be that I will turn away. Ever let it be that I would love you. Never let it be any gods above you. Ever let it be that I will sing your praise you, ever let it be that I will please you, never let it be that I will turn away, oh ever let it be, ever let it be that I would love you, never let it be any gods above you, ever let it be that I would sing your
romantic book in the Bible called the Song of Solomon. It's about Christ and the church. It's not about Solomon. Mm. And read chapter 8 and read verse 6 and 7. Ponder on it. What God is trying to talk about. Solomon. Song of Solomon. Or Song of Songs. Song of Songs sounds better, right? <laughs> Song of Songs. Chapter 8, verse 6 and 7. Meditate on it. We shall look at it on Monday. Let's pray. Father, this morning we come to you, Lord. Yes, Father, all around the world, your church is working hard in prayer, in fasting, the preaching of the word, in the help, helping of the poor, the needy, the persecuted, all around they are there. But often, in the middle of it, we forget, why am I doing this? For whom am I doing this? only thing that will never fail is love. Mm. Faith will fail. Hope will fail. Gifts will fail. Prophecy will fail. Knowledge will fail. All these things will fail. But you said one thing and one thing alone will never fail. It's your kind of love. Yes. 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 Your love. Yes. Yes. Which is passionate. Which is yes. intense. Yes. It's romantic. Yes. It's powerful. It forever keeps on giving yes. and never exhausts itself. Hallelujah. Because its source is God Himself. Yes. So it never runs out. Yes. Yes. It may grow tired, it doesn't grow weary. Jesus. And I pray, Father, the church will come back to the basics. Yes, the work of faith. Yes. But the labor of love. First towards God and then towards man in that order. But both, because you said both are great commandments. Yes, yes. And the entire whole testament, the whole Bible hangs on this too. And I pray, Father, that is revival, that is restoration. When we are restored back to our first estate, where we are truly able to say, I love you, Lord. And we are truly able to love one another that way. Yes. Help us to see through the wiles of the devil. Yes. Because he's a thief. Mm. He will keep us busy in works and steal our love. steal our time. We don't want to wake up like Saul or Samson one day and find the Spirit of God has gone quieter. He envied intensely for our wholehearted love. But after years of neglect, little by little, 
He chose to stay quiet. That's what happened to the church in Ephesus. That's what happened to Uriah. Those warning lights are there. And I pray today, Father, there will be a quickening in many hearts that are listening. They may be married, they may be single, it does not matter. They need to ask, why am I doing all this? Because that love gives us this power, the strength to bear all things. Because the Bible says, love bears all things. It has the strength to go through persecution, even death. They did not love their lives even unto death because they loved God more than life itself. Love of self had been replaced by the love of the other. Only you can give us that, Lord. Let not the patterns of the world or the things of the world steal our affections for God or man. Touch your church, everyone, everyone, Lord. All the leaders, secular field or in the church, every leader, pray they will go to you and ask, Lord, help me never to fall from that. Even if my doctrine is not 100% right and my works are faulty, you will receive me because I love you with all my heart. Like we received the gifts of our toddlers. Their gifts were cheap. Their works were faulty. But we knew their love was innocent and sincere. And we received it. It gave us so much joy. That's exactly how you are. You are not looking for perfect works. Articulate words. You are looking for a heart that loves you like David did. Then you promise, eyes haven't seen or ears heard what you will do for those who love you. Let there be a fresh infilling of your love in the hearts of everyone, Lord. Your love, that agape love that gives and gives and gives and never tires, never exhausts, never gives up. Many out there struggling. Asking how long let their confession change today. It doesn't matter how long, Lord. For your love gives me the strength to bear this and to wait patiently. For I know then when I see you, I will be like you.
individuals restore broken hearts touch homes marriages churches let each one return to their first love once again father we bless your holy name we bless your holy name we bless your holy name and we proclaim thine is the kingdom the power and the glory forever ever amen